Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. Well, Calvary, it's so good to be with you again, and thank you for joining us online and on demand, too. We are excited about what the Lord's doing in our lives and how He's speaking to us. Last Sunday, we began looking at the issue of racial unity and reconciliation, and I'm sharing with you what I'm thinking, feeling, and believing in the midst of the racial and cultural divide that's existent in our country today. I believe that we need to do better as a nation. It's not enough to simply say that I'm not racist. I believe that we're called to work for justice, to pursue mercy, and to work humbly toward overcoming oppression. That's what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 and in Micah chapter 6 verse 8. And I would like to say especially this is a part of our work toward and with uh, black people. And since last Sunday, I've actually been honored and privileged to have many conversations, several conversations with members here as we process together what they're hearing, what they're learning, and what's getting stirred up in them. And we're all learning so much about ourselves, and we're all learning so much about this subject of racial unity and racial reconciliation. And we know that from the scripture, it's really important to walk in the light with one another. One of our founding important foundational verses is 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So I've enjoyed the conversations. I've, I've learned as we've shared together and I've been learning and I know you are too. So this is a season not only to walk in the light with one another, but to get godly counsel. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 15, 22, that with the advice or with the, the help of godly counsel, then we can have success and we actually have victory. So I appreciate the spiritual practice of discerning the voice of the Holy Spirit through dialogue. I really believe in that. We practice that as a team. We practice that in our journey groups, our small groups, our different relational spheres. And so I've experienced that personally as I've had some wonderful conversations with people. And so what we did last week was we began with the scripture looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 21, and we looked to what the Lord was speaking to us because I believe in Jesus. I believe in his leadership. I believe in his power to reconcile all things to God. That passage tells us that his work is to reconcile not only people but the whole world to God our Father. And we know that that's his assignment. And so it's through the help, the hope, and the leadership of Jesus that we can actually work in an effective way toward unity and toward reconciliation. And then last week after sharing from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I actually got only one point of my message out that day. And so I'm going to cover some of the other points and talk about some of the things that I'm thinking, believing, and feeling right now in our current climate. So last week I began by saying it's important that we acknowledge that there's systemic injustice in our nation and especially against blacks. And then I shared some resources with you about the systemic injustice and the racism that's in our country against uh, blacks for over 400 years. 
And uh, by the way, for those of you that are wondering, my notes are online because there's a lot that I'm going to cover. There's also links online to different resources that I'll be sharing with you today. And I've had many people comment uh, thanking me for the resources and the links and the, the things that I shared last week. So I'm just continuing that same format. That's just the way I do. So my notes are always online. So I shared with you some uh, information, some resources to help us to get informed. And then we talked about what we could do. Number one, we can get informed. Number two, we can learn. Number three, we can listen. Number four, we can care about what has happened and what is happening in our country. And then number five, we can express love and support for our black brothers and sisters. So we looked at the scriptures, at the Old Testament prophets who were holding up a mirror before God's people to say, aren't you aware that this is who God is and what he's doing? And again, we read the scriptures from Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 and from Micah chapter 6 verse 8. And those passages, the, the prophets held up a mirror and said, listen, this is wrong. We have to stop oppression. We have to stop injustice. We have to treat others lovingly and righteously. It's not enough just to be a benefit of God's kingdom and what he's doing. We actually reach out a hand and help those that are oppressed and those that are experiencing injustice and unrighteousness. And so the prophets held up that mirror to the people of God and spoke to them. And then we also looked at what Jesus and the writers of the New Testament speak to us concerning how to show up well in our culture. So we considered the story of the Good Samaritan, and then we read other passages like Matthew chapter 25, where it talks about how we're supposed to show up with the poor, the marginalized, and those in need, and to work for the common good. So we looked at Matthew chapter 25, and then we looked at Romans chapter 12. You know, that passage summarizes and says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, I want you to know that passage is so practical about how to love, about how to be in this hour. But that's one of the most important passages is we're not here to fight fire with fire. We're actually here to do the work of God with the weapon of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy and overcome evil with good. Amen. So I believe that we're supposed to get informed and to become aware. So that was point number one. Point number two is I believe that we need to be a part of the solution and work with blacks against racism and social injustice. So I believe that we're supposed to be a part of the solution. I believe that we are solution bringers and bearers as the body of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that we have all the answers. That's why we're learning. That's why we're listening. That's why we're partnering so I'm not saying we have all the answers, but we know Jesus is the answer, and we know how he loves and how he ministers and how he works through our lives. And so I believe that we need to be a part of the solution, and we need to work against racism and social injustice. So I was reading an article or a blog recently, and someone expressed some ways to be an ally to partner for change. And I found some of it to be very helpful and very informative. And so I wanted to summarize three of their points. Number one, listen more and talk less. Isn't that just a good principle, period? I mean, we, if, if you're in a conversation, you're thinking about what you're going to say before you've listened and processed what they're saying, you're already not listening well. And by the way, most of us have not been taught how to listen, right? We, we, we don't listen that well, and we need to learn the discipline of listening. So you, 
you, she actually goes on to say that you don't actually have to have something to say every time there's a conversation. It's okay to listen and just receive and acknowledge what someone's saying. Number two, for one out of every three opinions and insights shared by a person of color in your life, try to resist the need to respond with a better insight or with a different insight about something that you've read or something that you've heard or something that you've related, uh, listened to. Just try to listen and sit with someone else's experience. When we respond, we want to avoid coming across as condescending. We want to listen to others without correcting or lecturing. So what we want to do is we just want to, we want to listen more and talk less. And then we don't want to have to give a response, an opinion to everything that's shared with us. Then number three, being an ally is different, different than simply not wanting to be racist. Being an ally requires you to educate yourself about racism and the sincerity the systemic injustice in our nation. And so in my notes, I've given a number of books. Now, I've not read all of these books, but these are some books that have been suggested. And so again, there's books, there's articles, and that's in my notes. And then uh, in an addendum, in my notes uh, from Lone Star College, I actually had someone share with me some research that they did and that they asked their educators to become aware of. These are some resources to help you understand what's going on in our culture right now. And so I've actually given you uh, a portion of that resource. So I wanted you to have those resources and point them to you. In, in my notes is a link to a video by Dr. Tony Evans that was shared with me this week. And, and he shares about what is going on from his perspective and then how we can be a part of the solution. Then I also shared a link to an encouraging video about racial reconciliation and racial repentance. It's gone viral and it's been picked up by the media and this video has actually reached millions of people. Trey Nine is a rapper He's a pastor, and he's a minister of the gospel. And Trey Nine is actually a part of our pastor's prayer group, and he's being used to the Lord to reach people through Hip Hop Hope Missions. And they're doing that all over greater Houston and having amazing impact based here in Houston. And what he's got, he got a vision from the Lord to partner with African-American pastors and they engage in what they call prayer tests. Rather than protests, they engage in prayer tests in communities throughout greater Houston. And other people have heard what's going on through this viral video. And he's getting contacted from all over and is actually equipping others how to do prayer tests in their communities. And a prayer test is a prayer walk. And it's prayer walks and prayer rallies to demonstrate for racial unity and reconciliation. And so that's just an amazing thing that's going on in our city, in relationships that we know our God is redeeming and working and wanting us to understand and to be a part of solution. Then I also have a link to an encouraging post. Our friend Steve Capper who is the vicar of Lord of the Streets Episcopal Church here in downtown Houston, he posted, he shared a post of a friend who shared the post of a friend that was an amazing testimony of a conversation between a lady and a man in Florida. And I was just, this, this post talks about the power of listening, 
of learning and partnering together through conversation. This encounter was so profound that the local media has picked it up, and it's another illustration of something going viral just by someone having the humility to have a conversation, to listen, and then to partner. And so I've even given that as an addendum in my notes. If you can't find it uh, through the link, it's actually attached to my notes. So let's seek to be a part. Let's seek to be a part of the solution and to work with blacks against racism and social injustice. Again, people are asking me, what can I do? I want you to hear there are some things we can do, and it starts by listening, by learning, by, by, by being available, by getting equipped. And so there's some resources that uh, I've given to help us with that. The third point, I believe that we need to ask the Lord to search our hearts first before we point the finger. I believe that we need to ask the Lord to search our hearts first before we point a finger anywhere against anyone. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. We want to look at verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. You actually need to read the whole psalm because in this psalm, the psalmist is talking about the thoughts of the Lord for him. That's an important song that Jason led us to sing today. God is for us, not against us. He, he, he is, when some people think about God, they think about how angry he is and he's given up on them and they just see themselves as guilty in his presence. But I want you to know that that's not true. Our God is for you, he's not against you. He has not come to condemn the world, but he has come that the world might be saved. And so he's come near to us. And so Psalm 139 is profound in that the psalmist is having this revelation of the thoughts of the Lord for him and, and the way that God relates to him and pursues him. And, and, and most of us would think, man, if God's pursuing me, he's about to smash me or he's going to crush me. And that's not the psalmist's testimony at all. It's a testimony of awe and wonder and blessing. But he does come at the end of the passage and says this in verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's great humility, isn't it? Basically, he's saying the truth is we need the help of the Lord and we need the help of others so that we can see ourselves. There's a phrase that I learned a few years ago uh, I just don't know what I don't know. And you don't know about you what you don't know. And we actually need the Lord's help to know what we don't know so that we can do something about what we didn't know so it can change and we know something about it. And so the Lord wants to do that for us and wants to help us. The Lord comes with, with grace to change our lives, not to condemn, not to give hopelessness or despair upon our lives. Turn now in your Bibles, Romans chapter 7. Very familiar passage. We're going to look at verses 21 through chapter 8, verse 4. So Paul says, I find this work, this law at work within my life. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Now, no, he's not talking about your spouse. He's not talking about someone else. He's saying it's, it's present in him and with him, right? We always default to, yeah, I wish my friend would hear this sermon. I wish so-and-so would hear that. So this side of the room is tuned in. They got it. They laughed. That's my one funny for the day. Thank you so much. I'm going to go back to being serious. 
So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by my sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. And I want to say this morning, if you're hearing, as I do the remainder of these points, if you're hearing condemnation and judgment, and you're hearing rejection, then you're not hearing the voice of the Spirit this morning. If you're hearing challenge, if you're being stirred up to wonder, what can God do in and through me, and to search me, and, and how am I like Paul in this struggle of there's things in me that I don't want there, what can be done about it? Well, I'll tell you what, through Jesus Christ, there can ex be an experience of transformation. There can be an experience of renewal and change without condemnation, without judgment. Jesus himself, look in Luke chapter 6, verse 41, if you have your Bibles. Luke chapter 6, verse 41. Jesus himself invites us to start with humility and self-awareness rather than judging others. We start from the place of humility and self-awareness. Again, we're trying to get aware of, I don't know what I don't know. We want, to, we want to let the Lord search us, the Spirit speak to us, Jesus come near to us. Luke 6, 41, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you'll clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The Passion Translation, listen to this. Why do you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own life? How could you say to your friend, here, let me show you where you are wrong when you're guilty of even more than he is? You're overly critical, splitting hairs, and being a hypocrite. You must acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them before you'll be able to deal with the blind spots of your friend. So let's ask the Lord to search our hearts first before we point our finger or our attention anywhere else. Number four, I believe that what we need is that we need to love God and love others like Jesus told us to do. I, I really believe in the power of love. I believe that love is transformational, not only for me, but for other people. And I believe that when we fall into anger and hatred, we're actually displaying a spirit that's not of the spirit of God. You know the scripture, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 
to 40, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus told us preeminently, we are to be characterized by love because God is love. And as we actually grow in love, I believe we're growing to be more like our God. So I believe that we need to love God and others like Jesus told us to do. And then listen to these commands that Jesus gives us. I'll just read them. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now he's speaking to his disciples, and there were times when they argued about who's the greatest and who's the best, who's most important. I know that doesn't go on in the church today. There's no divisions. There's perfect relationships, right? That was raw sarcasm. We... Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple, not by how much doctrine you know, not by how truth, not how you correct people, but how loving you are. My command is this in John chapter 15, verse 12 and 13, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for a friend. I believe it's unloving to treat others differently because of their skin, their money, or their position. It's unloving to prejudge others or to minimize others, especially if they don't feel, think, or believe like you. So let's grow in our capacity to love God and to love others like Jesus told us to do. And remember, when God gives us a command, he gives us the grace to do it. Anything that the Lord asks us to do, he's not saying you're on your own to do it. Since God is love and he lives in us, Lord, would you help me to grow in my capacity to love and to obey Jesus? And would you do that through me? I want to grow in this experience. Number five, I believe that we need to watch and pray and not give up and not lose faith. We need to watch and pray and not give up and not lose faith. So we've talked about Luke chapter 18. Over the past several weeks, Pastor Steve preached from there recently. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them how they should always pray and not give up. Luke 18, 1. Then verse 7. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and they get it quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What kind of faith? Faith that keeps on praying and doesn't give up. Faith that keeps on believing and does not quit. So I have people all the time that come up to me and say, you know, I'm a person of faith. I'm a faith-filled person. And one of the questions that will come up in our course of our conversation is, so how much are you praying? It's easy to complain. It's easy to, uh, it's easy to say words to other people. But how much are we really praying Prayer is actually a sign. This is how you ought to pray and not give up. And when the Son of Man comes on the earth, will he find faith? What kind of faith? Faith that keeps on praying and doesn't quit and give up. And so there's been a prayer movement in the earth, one of the most historic prayer movements in the earth. But where are we as individuals in that prayer movement? It's easy to let others, you know, well, well the intercessors need to pray. I think that Jesus is saying, 
I want all my people to pray. Amen? And that we'd be a people of prayer. Anyway, that's one of the checks for me. When I'm not talking to the Lord and when I'm not praying about the things that are on his heart, there's something wrong with my heart. I've gotten offended or wounded and uh, I'm in despair or discouragement. That's just, I don't know what I don't know, but that's a, that's a sign for me to be aware. The scripture says, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. Luke chapter 21, verse 36. Uh, the Passion Translation puts it this way. Keep a constant watch over your soul and pray for the courage and grace to prevail over the things that are destined to occur and that you will stand before the presence of the Son of Man with a clear conscience. The message says, whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you'll have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and to help you end up on your feet before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 36. Then concerning that day and that exact hour, no one knows when it will arrive. Not the angels of heaven, not even the Son. Only the Father knows. That's why you must keep on waiting, watching, and praying. You must keep on waiting, watching, and praying because no one knows when that season will come. Now, this isn't passive. Waiting, watching, and praying is not a passive activity. It's actually paying attention and participating with God and partnering with Jesus, whoever lives to intercede, tuning in to the groans of the Holy Spirit and the Father's will. So it's not passive. It's very, very active. So let's commit to watch and pray and not give up and not lose faith. Number six, I believe that we need to fight the good fight of faith. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. We are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual warfare. By laying down our lives to serve, to love and to serve others, and putting their own interests ahead of our own, that's a way to fight. If you want to fight the good fight of faith, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 13, actually verse 17 says, that we lay down our lives for love, and we put the interest of others first. Now that's hard to do, isn't it? Because we're used to putting our own interests ahead of others. But the scripture says, have this mind in you, which was, always in, which was also in Christ Jesus, who put the interest of others ahead of his own. That's why he left heaven and came down, and it goes into that glorious passage. And then talks, it, anyway, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 17. I would just ask you, what does it look like for you to love others and to put their interests ahead of your own. What, what does that look like for you? Read that passage. Let it inspire you. Let Jesus speak to you through his own example. But what does that look like for you? I believe that we need to fight the good fight of faith by doing what the Lord said in the parable of the Good Samaritan we talked about last week. So what is the Lord asking of you in your spheres of influence? Are we listening? Are we available? The, the Good Samaritan actually saw what was going on and did the opposite of what the priest and the Levite did, went over and then began to express care and compassion. What is the Lord asking of you in your spheres of influence? And then what are some ways that you can fight the good fight of faith versus giving up, withdrawing, or ignoring personal responsibility? So those are just some questions. I believe God's called us to fight the good fight of faith. What are some ways that we can fight the good fight of faith and not give up, not withdraw, and not avoid personal responsibility? Number seven, 
I believe that we need to be a part of the solution and not the problem. We're a part of the problem when we don't listen. We're a part of the problem when we deny what's going on in our nation. We're actually a part of the problem when we prejudge others. We're a part of the problem when we disconnect from or we attack people that don't think, feel, and believe like we do. That's having an us versus them mentality. We're a part of the problem when we vent on social media and we attack others out of anger, frustration, pain, or fear. People often say things on social media that they would never say to someone's face in a civil conversation. Now, I was in a conversation with a friend this week, and they gave me a balance to this, and I, I want to I say this. I'm grateful that social media is giving a place for people to be heard without being shut down first. That is something helpful. We're actually hearing people share who have never had a, ver a voice before. So that's redemptive, right? And then all the comments on their posts are discouraging and depressing, but you know, at least that, that's helpful. We're part of the problem when we're inconsistent in applying our beliefs and standards. Consider how you want to show up as your best self in difficult conversations and then work on being that person. For instance, I've got a guiding principle. If I want to be curious and a learner, and then I add the phrase non-defensive. Why do I add non-defensive? Because when I'm in difficult conversations, there's a part of me that wants to defend me and what I believe and what I think and to get in an argument. And so I want to show up differently, and I've, I've got that on my phone. I've got the values or the principles that the Lord has spoken to me about, and I remind myself before difficult conversations, I want to be like this, or before I read different things, or this is how I want to be. What about you? Let's learn to be a part of the solution and not the problem. So what does that look like for you? By the way, I'm sharing what I believe, what I think, and what I feel, but I'm doing it so that you'll actually ask the Lord, what do you want me to think, feel, and believe? What, what is it in, what's, what's, what's my part? Some of you are excited. We're to number eight. I believe that we need to get help to deal with our own pain, trauma, and fears as they surface during this season. I want to say that one again because this is important. I believe that we need to get help to deal with our own pain, trauma, and fears as they surface in this season. In the midst of all the grief and pain of our culture and the pandemic and the racial unrest and protest, our stuff is getting stirred up. People are being reminded about their own trauma, their own pain, their own wounds, their own injustices, their own injuries which they have experienced. And so when that happens, we're not able to listen because our stuff is getting stirred up. Our stuff is getting triggered. When we are stirred up and when our pain surfaces, we don't listen well. We interpret and filter what's going on around us through the, wound, the lens of our own wounds, our own pains, and our own trauma. As Pastor Steve has taught us, your pain is either transformed or it's transmitted. And so in this season of so much pain and so much difficulty, things are happening in our lives. And so... What can you do with your own pain, your own wounds, your own trauma that begin to surface in this season? Hear me, I believe that this is an opportunity for us to work on us and not just be reactive. 
Number one, walk in the light with God and with others about your own pain, trauma, and fears which are getting stirred up. That's 1 John 1, 7 and 9. Again, that's one of our, our, fav- our favorite verses. James chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, talks about getting prayer, having people pray for you when you're sick or when you're in need or whenever it says get people to pray for you. And so walk in the light with others about your own pain, your own trauma, your own fears, which are getting stirred up. Ask the Lord to touch you and bring healing and wholeness to your heart. Jesus is anointed to heal our hearts. In Luke chapter four, verse 18, Jesus says, the spirit is on me to heal the brokenhearted. That's good news. And those two people on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, they have this encounter with the Lord and then he leaves and they said, they said after he left, they said, we're not our hearts burning as he revealed himself to us through the scripture. Their hearts were burning, why? Because their hearts are being healed of despair and discouragement over the Messiah being killed and all their hopes and dreams being dashed. So ask the Lord to touch you. God can heal our hearts. I've listed a whole bunch of scriptures. Some of us are going, I don't think this can happen. Man, I've given you some passages just to meditate on and think about and read about. Come to our ministry team training and take the advanced class on healing of the heart. God wants to heal our hearts. And God wants to help us. Not only can he heal our hearts, but he wants to heal our hearts. So we walk in the light, we ask the Lord to touch us when these things get stirred up, and we ask him for wholeness and health. And number three, we turn to God in prayer, and we get prayer from others asking the Lord for wholeness and for help in our lives. And then finally, number four, have conversations with pastors or counselors or coaches or therapists who can help you process toward wholeness. Sometimes we need more help than just a ministry team or just a conversation with a friend to get over our pain, our trauma, our injury, and our wounds. That's not weakness. That's actually humility so that we can get whole and healthy. Amen? So God has given people like counselors and pastors or coaches or therapists, whatever term of people that can really focus in and help us toward wholeness. I want to encourage you that way. So let's get help to work on our own pain, our own trauma, and fears as they surface in this season. How do, you know if, how do you know if your stuff's getting triggered? Uh, I, I'm, I'm watching a special on TV. It's the Smithsonian, and it's the Apollo moonshot is what it's called. And Apollo chapter 8, Wally Shira goes up, and he goes up into the uh, heavens uh, on the spacecraft, and he gets a terrible head cold. And they, Wally, I'd never heard this story about him because he's, he's one of my heroes. He's just one of the great guys. He got a head cold. And so they, they, they were talking about this and said, Wally was upset, and so everybody got upset. Even Mission Control was upset because they were asking Wally to do things, and Wally just refused. He actually said no. They said, hey, we're going to have a broadcast, national TV, and we want you to, to tell them what you're doing and going on. We're going to put you live. And Wally said no. And so the next day, they finally did it. But Mission Control said, well, we'll fix this. We'll never let Wally and his guys go up ever again. I mean, that's where we don't want to be, right? Have y'all been in a room and somebody walks in and a black cloud comes in with them? Now, don't look around. That's wrong. I keep telling you. But have you ever been in a room and somebody who, who comes in, they're just infectious with their joy and their happiness? We can actually change systems, right? And so... 
if we're getting triggered in our pain and trauma and wounds, if those things are getting triggered, then, then that's actually redemptive. Let's work on them. Otherwise, we're going to transmit that, and we're not going to hear where other people are in their wounds and trials. Number nine, I believe that we have to learn to live in the tension of life right now. We have to learn how to live in the tension of life right now. Specifically, I want us to embrace, hear this, both and thinking rather than either or thinking. It's actually both and, it's not either or, or we're going to fall into the ditch of right, wrong thinking. And so if I'm right, then you're wrong. That's the only possible way, right? And so we fall into those ditches. And I want to admit, living in the tensions of life is hard. We prefer to process in ways that make it easier for us, and we seem to move to extremes. Jesus said the way to heaven is a narrow road. There's a broad path that leads to destruction, but the way to heaven is a narrow road. And I picture it like this. It's a narrow road with two ditches on both sides of it, and we have a car, and we steer from ditch to ditch as we overcorrect, and we go to the extremes and that's how I picture this subject. It's human for us to go from one extreme to another, to overcorrect and undercorrect. I want us to be aware of this tendency, and I want, us to, I want to call us to live a balanced life, to live a whole life, to experience the power of living in creative tensions of life. So there is a healthy tension and balance. Man, when you watch Simone Biles on the balance beam, don't anybody tell me that balance is compromised. That's like, that's beautiful, isn't it? That's inspiring. Listen, it takes work to be in balance and not fall off that beam, not fall off the narrow road. And so living in balance is not a place of compromise, but it's a place of emotional maturity. It actually takes emotional maturity to live in the both ends of life. Well, what am I talking about? We have a graphic that I want to show you. It's also in the notes. But this graphic is an example of living in the tensions of life. So on one, on one part, I can be outraged by the injustice of the death of a fellow human being. No matter whether it was racist or not, I can be outraged by the death, but I can also live in the tension of not condoning rioting and looting and saying, that's wrong. And I can support good police officers. Do you see that person is in the middle of all of those? That's a tension place. Let me give you another illustration of being in the tension. I can acknowledge that there has been progress in racial uh, reconciliation and in racial unity and at the same time, I can say, and we've got a really long way to go. That's a tension, right? I can acknowledge both of those. I believe that that's the place of maturity. And so what we want to do is we want to learn to live in this tension because here's where we are, Calvary. You've heard this passage, Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3, over and over and over again. That thick darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness covers the peoples. But the glory of the Lord rises upon you. And, and then when you do the wheat and the tares that Jesus talked about at the end of the age, what is it saying? Listen, darkness is going to get worse and worse, and the glory of the Lord is going to make things better and better, and it's going to happen faster and faster. The wheat, evil, and, and the tares and the wheat grow up together and they come to full maturity. Now think about that. We're excited about the full maturity of the kingdom of God and righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that evil's going to come to its maturity. Well, what do we want? What we want is either or, right? 
Because if it's everything bad and everything's going to hell in a handbasket, then we can just say, well, I expected that, right? Or if we live in this utopia and everything's going to get better and better, then we go, well, I know how to deal with that. But you know what God's called us to do? He's called us to be lights in the midst of that happening simultaneously. That's a tension, is it not? And so there are protests that are happening that are being co-opted by evil forces and things are happening that it was not the intention of the protest. Can we live in the both end of that? No, what we want to do is we want to say, oh, everybody's bad. Right? Did I mention this is hard work? Some of you are going, can you preach on something else? And the answer is yes. After next week, I'll get on to something else. This is, I, I think that this is the heart of the Lord. This is hard work. So let me ask you a question. What does it look like for you right now to live in the tensions of life? For some of us right now, it looks like escapism. Turn on the TV and watch. Let's binge some Netflix show. I don't want to think about what's going on, right? Or there's other things that we use to, to distract ourselves. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. Living in the tensions of life. If I'm going to be in tension, then I'm going to help you be in tension. And I'm going to release my tension on you. That's, that's not helpful either, right? The reason why I can say all these things is because I practiced them ineffectively, right? They didn't change me. I was actually successful at how I did them, but they were unhelpful is what I was trying to say. So what does it look like for you to live in those tensions? Number 10, I believe that racism and prejudice are wrong, period. Pride and superiority are sins. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 6, God opposes the proud. Now this is a hard one because I'm a Texan. And wherever we go in the world, when people ask us where we're from, you know a person's from Texas because they never say I'm from America. They say I'm from Texas. Right? Listen to what the scripture says. Peter began to speak and he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what's right. Acts 10, 34 and 35. God does not show favoritism. If we prefer our people in our way over the people God's created, that's, that's not right. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ, and you have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. This is not denying our distinctiveness, but this is saying at the foot of the cross we're all equal. We all are sinners in need of a Savior. Then listen to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tongue, tribe, language, and nation. And you made them kings and priests to serve our God. So there's going to be people from every tongue, tribe, language, and nation, from every people group around God's throne. He loves our diversity. He loves this stuff. I wonder if we take the time to ask the Lord, Lord, is there any racism in me? Is there any prejudgment, prejudice in me? And Lord, would you help me to root it out of my life? Again, I don't know what I don't know, so let's ask. And you don't have to spend long on that. If he answers your prayer, fine. If he doesn't, then go on. But maybe we should take the time to ask. So number last, 
I believe that change, healing, and reconciliation are possible in Jesus. I believe that change, healing, and reconciliation are possible in Jesus. So we want to partner with Jesus in his ministry and his message of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 to 21. For the sake of Jesus who purchased men, women, boys, and girls for God from every tongue, tribe, language, and nation. We want to participate with Jesus in his ministry and message of reconciliation for the sake of the world that Romans chapter 8 said, this world is groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Because its wholeness is depending upon us stepping up and being who we're called to be. We want to partner with Jesus in his ministry and message for the sake of our nation, which has such a high calling and such high ideals that we're not living up to. We need to partner with Jesus in his ministry and message of reconciliation for the sake of our brothers and our sisters who have incurred injustice for more than 400 years. We want to partner with Jesus in his ministry and message for the sake of our children who need a future where things are different and things are better. Today I declare again that healing, change, and reconciliation are possible because of Jesus and because of his work in this earth. Amen? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.